as far as what you're doing in Colorado Springs and the group you're with now, how does that change that or does it? Well, what it changes is, is that I'm now part of the Bikuni Sangha. So uh, what I'm doing now is a Bikuni thing rather than a Silatara thing. So, okay, so, so it means I can give ordinations. So I was, I had a unique ordination, and so this now puts me in, in uh, uh, common with everybody else who's had that ordination. And because that's the more common ordination, there's all kinds of organizations that are set up to support. So you're not solo anymore. Exactly. So it's kind of like um, Jesuit priests and uh, Felician nuns. I mean, they're still Catholics, but they're a different type of order. That's the only thing I can relate it to. It's complicated because of the situation. It's complicated where it, yeah, too. yeah, it's complicated. But what it what it means? Okay, so for example, there's an association for Alliance for Bikunis. I can now be listed as a Bikuni training monastery on that association. Ayatataloka, the woman who gave me the ordination, the preceptor, she has 30 people who um, write to her every year saying they want to be nuns. She accepted two last year. So she said, how many would you like? Okay. And she said, what kind of support do I need? And I said, well, the thing that I need to sort out is health insurance. And they said, well, this person has done that. Talk to them. So all of a sudden, I'm plugged into a network which has got quite a lot of infrastructure, whereas before I was having to do everything on my own. That's great. Okay? That's what... And then also there are sisters who've got the same vinya that I have, the same monastic discipline that I have, (coughs) so I don't have to think about it all myself. I can call them on the telephone. I said, this is really complicated. How do you figure out that? And then ordinations are now really simple before they were really complicated. So Gwen, who's here, she wants to be a nun. So the first ordination wasn't going to be a problem. That was easy. But the next ordination was going to be a big problem. Now, the next ordination is very simple. So all of a sudden things shift. What is it like? It's like, I can't, I don't know what a business correlation would be oh, like. like. once you saw through a glass darkly and now you see. Things. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> oh, there you go. What would be a business? It would, it's a change in status that completely changes your relationship with everybody in a particular way, and I can't think a of it. It's a paradigm shift. It's a paradigm shift. a belief and a thought, and you have synchronicity that goes along with it. Yeah. What about a promotion? Slightly, but a promotion keeps you in the same field. It's a little bit like I'm in a different field. It's like all of a sudden I've, I've just changed continents. <laughs> you, just, you just raised your energy level, so now you're seeing the same experience through a different vibratory field. That might be one way of describing it. Anyway, that's yeah. what it's, it's, we're just that. trying to language around the unspeakable. That's all. So <laughs> what, it, what it does is it means that I have community, that I'm not so isolated, that there's resources both coming towards me in terms of, of, um, of possibilities of information as well as people who would be interested in training. Well, I can relate to that in business ways in many ways. I think mm-hmm. it, at least in my own life experience, it happened many times. Yeah. Out of the blue, something falls into, into place. Right. Uh, and, you know, you weren't planning for it. You yeah. weren't, you know, trying to get there or anything. Right. And the things you were planning for weren't getting very, very far. But out of the left field, something falls in place, yeah. which opens up these doors and this whole universe. That everyone would understand. Yeah. yeah, but in terms of trying to explain the actual difference in the ordination, it's complicated because the Sangha politics are complicated. But let's go back to you. What did you folks talk about when you paired up? And so what would be, what would be interesting for me to hear about were the kinds of stresses that you experience in your, in your regular lives, in your daily lives, as well as... 
um, how the meditation may be helpful for you in being able to get a handle on it. So laughter. Is it because there's lots of stress? What kinds of stresses? Yeah. What do you mean? What, when, when I just said the stresses, the, the, the two of you were laughing. So well, it was funny. She was I was just on the phone with a stress problem, oh. and so I thought, <laughs> oh my God, the stress never goes away. No. Okay. So I had to make it's but she had a small escape earlier, so it worked. It was good. So. But it's when I'm meditating, yeah. it's just so hard for me to focus because I'm always thinking about my problems. So I don't know how to get away from that. Like, the five minutes of silence, I'm just like thinking, okay, I'm going to deal with this issue. I'm going to deal with this issue. I don't know how to just get that away. So that's a really common um, Concern not just for people who are in business, but a lot of people. Right. Yeah. And part of that is is because we come from a culture that's very um, strong, analytical. Mm-hmm. And part of it is because we we haven't yet learned or seen that there really is a blessing on letting it all, just letting it go, letting the world rest. So we haven't we haven't discovered yet that. And so it's a little bit like the habit of constantly thinking about our problems is stronger than the nourishment of seeing what happens if we don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like well, there's a muscle that needs to be strengthened, and that's the muscle of attention that returns to something. So you say, all right, let's pay attention to the body. That's the request, the intention. And then the habit is to say, well, what about this problem and that problem and this problem and that problem and this problem and that problem? So that the discernment can say, well, I've decided or I've allocated this amount of time. And in this amount of time, I'm not going to go into those problems because I know that the more relaxed and the more nourished and the more peaceful I am, then it gives me the more resource to actually deal with the problems when I apply myself to them. Mm-hmm. So it's like, like having a holiday. So you're having taking a five-minute holiday. Well, on your five-minute holiday, the rule is, 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 is you don't do business. That's the rule. And so it, what is needed then is a lot of patience to continually, every time the mind goes into thoughts about this problem or that problem, that we say, well, I'm on a five-minute holiday, and that's what I'm not doing now. Bring it back to the body. Bring it back to the breath. Now, because for many of us, our bodies are tense, and it actually isn't easy to bring attention to the body and the breath, I usually start with standing meditation, because it takes more balance, and actually is, uh, it takes... Um, it's easier to let attention relax in a body when you're standing sometimes than when you're sitting because it's got more sensations in it. Yeah. So sometimes what's needed is just to work the meditation in a way which is more favorable for where you're at. But a lot of patience is needed, and it's needed for most people. It's very rare that a person can say, I'm going to sit for quiet five minutes or ten minutes or half an hour and then just be very settled in their meditation. That takes a lot of practice to do that. That's what I was just going to say. It does take practice, you know, every, and it's like what you said about you can't go into a 45-minute meditation if you've never done it. So you start with little tiny baby steps, you know. And what I've always learned to tell myself is um, just work or, or deal with what's right in front of me, you know. And if it's five minutes away, then the five minutes will be here in five minutes. But right now I'm trying to just what's in front of me. And so one of the reasons why the body meditation is so helpful is because we shift from the mental sphere to the body sphere, and the body sphere is just what's right in front of you. That's just what's happening, just right now. And then the next group that we meet, we're going to talk about working with emotional intelligence 
But in order to work with emotional intelligence, we need to be able to watch the emotional reactivity that we have. Mm-hmm. And, and the body, because of, because of its simplicity, is an incredibly useful way of getting a reference on the emotions. Because it, it is, it, the physical sensations are easier to manage than emotional reactivity. And yet, every time there's any kind of emotion, there'll be a physical correlate. We can feel it in our body somehow, somewhere. Yeah. So the body meditation is kind of the groundwork, and then everything else will come from it. So were there other stresses that you shared in your about your daily lives that are worthwhile sharing here at this table? And, uh, and a sense of how this meditation might be able to help you? Well, I'm, I can share mine. I, so, I, so I guess, you know, as I spend more time with you, you know, I, I'm learning how this relates to my own life lessons as I, I've been going through my own life. And, and a key thing about dealing with stress is basically letting go. Mm-hmm. And you articulated far better than I could have ever imagined, but but that's what I've learned has you know given me the strength and the peace to go on is really letting go and saying, whether it's in business or in personal life, he's saying I will do what I can and the chips will fall away the world. And you know, and 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 I think it took me a long time to to move away from this desire to control to realizing that it's only a perception of control. You don't have any control. No, you don't have any children. Even when they're little, you don't have any control over them. So I mean, to think that you have control in business with adults who have their own agendas, their own thinking, everything is just, it's like an impossible <laughs> thing to, like impossible <laughs> game to play. To kind of have everybody sit in one spot that I want. I want him to be here, you to be there. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work that way, right? right? So over a period of time, I'm just learning this, you know, this. Don't worry about the outcome. Focus on what you can do. So that's beautifully put. Mm-hmm. Now my yes, next is. question is: is how does this meditation help you do that? Well, it it it, uh, it sort of the meditation to me was again what I learned from business was don't make decisions right away. Sleep over. I don't know who I learned from, my dad or whoever else, but it was just that adding I realized that, uh, you know, that if I sleep over something, my opinion very often is very different the next yeah. day. And I tell this to everybody now. Every, every time I come across a situation that I'm not quite certain of something, my intuition is nagging at me and I say, let's sleep over. Let's not make a call now. So to me, meditation lets my mind take a break from where I'm, I'm at and and it's just and that peacefulness of not thinking about anything is, is a gift of some sort that I don't understand yet at <laughs> all but I, I know that it <laughs> it is something invaluable <laughs> to cut away yeah. from everything right? yeah. I can't do it very well yet but I think for me the outcome of taking the time to go in and connect with Source is to remember that I am not my role. You know, because whatever the worry is or the stressor is usually related to one of my roles in life, whether it's you know homemaker or business developer or whatever it happens to be. And 
So when I go quiet and connect with source, then I remember that that's just a part of who I am that doesn't seem quite so overwhelming anymore. You know, it doesn't seem so big. And I get perspective back, at least in that moment. doesn't mean I'm not going to dive into the role and forget that I'm Trina a soul. Right now I'm just Trina, but a proposal writer who's got to get it done by 5 o'clock. But at least in that moment, I remember that it's all serving something that's bigger than just that job or that kitchen floor that needs to get mopped or... Because those are my two biggest stresses. Getting the door and my Too many dogs. <laughs> so that, for me, when you were talking, I was like, what is it that I get? How would I answer that question? And I think, for me, it's just that connecting with source and becoming the bigger soul of... of um, I'm just a microcosm of that. Or whatever that role is that's taking me off on a little, little chipmunk journey. Or the monkey mind or whatever. For me. Meditation helps me with um, a lot of what Amina said, you know, um, you know, because as as a wife and a mom, and then you know, a, a business um, and a, you know, a new a new business that just um, you know was really different from what I used to do before. Has it comes with its own stressors and stuff, and so um, meditation for me helps me to. Um, Practice as I'm moving, you know, around my world to just say, just right now, because I start oh, thinking, I start thinking of, okay, dinner, the grass needs to be watered, blah, 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 yeah. laundry in the dryer that I need to get out, and you know, and I'm just spinning, and then I have to, and then I can feel myself getting all along, you know, and just right now, just right now, just, just right now, what's right in front of me, which is this group right now, so just. Let it all go. Because yeah. otherwise, you know, we'll be taking hostages. We have seen her almost take a hostage. It was pretty impressive. I may be tiny, but I can take you on. No, just <laughs> That's good. But yeah, just right now. So it reminds me, just right now. I like that, just right now. Just right now. Mm-hmm. This is it. That's all I can do is just right now. I think for me, the big realization that's happening in my life is is that being type A and efforting and making things happen out there. I've done that for 50-odd years. And I think 50-odd lifetimes. But maybe 50-odd lifetimes, who knows. But um, I'm going through an interesting transition right now. And, and I find it very interesting to be sitting here today with you. I've, I've taught a lot of stress management this whole different way of looking at stress management and um, I'm right in the transition of letting go of this efforting and making things happen and driving now those of you that are entrepreneurs at the table you know that or maybe you don't know but um, you have to make things happen that's the belief and I'm right in the crux what happens actually a little bit after the crux, but what happens if I start letting go and not making things happen? Well, I'll tell you what happens at 50 years. All these fears start coming up. Well, if I don't drive sales and if I don't do this, is my business going to be there? So this is tremendous for me. This is, this is what we were talking about. This is very subtle. I am a meditator, by the way. And... Um, and to 
it's a whole, you know, I said paradigm, it's a shift in perspective, it's a change in alignment that came from Trina, it's allowing myself to have a different source for my actions and my thoughts. Now, as I go through this transition, the thing that's triggering me is, will my pipeline still be there, you know, because all those fears that we have to keep these things going. I also know intellectually, and I'm getting on a bodily level, this is a good thing. Um, I know I'm not going to let go of making things happen, but at the same time, for the first time, I've, got, I've had one foot at the source or spirit or whatever you want to call it, and one foot in business. Mm-hmm. Kind of safe, right? Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I took both feet and put them over here. Mm-hmm. And they're both in this camp, whatever you want to call it, spirit, God, whatever. And ever since I was a little kid, and I didn't even know what this meant, that I wanted to drive a spirit-based business. had no idea what that meant. And I don't usually talk about this. Mm-hmm. And, and for the first time, I've got both feet in this place with all these fears coming up and how to navigate. And what I'm also noticing, because I'm a meditator, I know how to stop myself in the moment. And it's amazing when you're in the moment, the space increases around you and you can see the thoughts, you can see the fears, and you can see the way to navigate and you can see your way to just stop it. But my biggest stress right now is this transition. So I go in and out of it. I'm still over here, but I've got two feet here. I don't know how to explain that to you. You're just sideways. Yeah, yeah, I'm background psychology. But anyways, (laughs) this has been my greatest passion in my whole life, is to be able to build businesses this way. So my own personal experience is often that, you know, these times of tremendous transition is you close a door behind you, and you haven't yet completely opened a door in front of you. And so there's this in-between zone of not knowing, mm-hmm. which is uncertain, because the pathway hasn't revealed itself. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. Yes. And that level of uncertainty usually ends up being one of the biggest stress things for most people, because hanging out with not knowing, not yeah. having a plan, not having a direction, not having a goal, not having a... is really an uncomfortable place to be. But I also know from meditation practice that it's one of the most powerful places to be. Because the stuff that drives us in terms of our habits is relating to our identification with role, with plan, with, with all of that. And so when you enter into these zones, these transition zones, where the door has closed behind you, but the pathway in front of you hasn't opened up, there's nothing that you can get your teeth into yeah. quite yet. And being type A, <laughs> what's yeah. the next thing? Well, right. but, but I've also learned. Right. Which is stop. Exactly. Because it's the stopping, it's the breathing, it's the feeling, it's the loving. It's the loving that opens up the doorway. I mean, I had absolutely no idea that this thing was going to happen in terms of this ordination. You know, there was a trusting in the process. But, you know, the door had closed way behind me and something hadn't opened up in front of me. And I was, you know, in this in-between zone and it was getting increasingly more uncomfortable but the universe had another design for me, which I couldn't configure. Yeah. So what I have found in my own life is, is, is that the more that I give myself to the practice of letting go of attachment, watching when I am uh, averse to something, when my heart is closed, 
and working on the internal level of things, then the external universe sorts it out. And there have been enough times where I have been in such remarkably difficult situations, but my commitment was to do my work, my part of the work, whatever that was. And as I did my work related to whatever the story was, the universe reorganized itself. So my own personal experience has been is, is that even though I don't have control over funds and I can't store food and I am dependent on other people for my basic needs, when I absolutely do the work that's ahead, which is what's present right now in terms of how am I holding on or pushing away, then in my experience, what we end up doing is changing from a Cartesian universe into something that's more magical because you get cause and effects of things that you can't actually follow. And I think that was one of the things that happened with the bear. I mean, I didn't do that, nor that the, the bear left. Right. But the bear left. Mm-hmm. And when the bear left, there was a sense of having received this phenomenal blessing of having experienced what profound surrender is and to be totally at peace when there's a bear that's chewing on your head. And I know that now. I know that experience. I know that in my bones. So I have seen again and again and again and again and again the practice works. And it's not like a little bit. It's like some really powerful things can happen when you really are willing to see where you're holding on and let go. You know, Janet, also, I should say, but maybe not talking about Please. So, again, and I... Again, my thinking applies both to personal life and business life, which is this East-West thing that, you know, I came, I grew up in Pakistan until I was, you know, 19, I came here when I was 19, and, you know, immediately that I, what I noticed in coming from there to here was that, in, in one aspect of that, whether this culture is very focused on that one relationship. So if your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or you know or your partner was right, and the the world revolved around that relationship, and that was the relationship, and then everything else you dropped down hundreds of feet, and then came any other relationship. That seemed to be I was in college and entered that, and my views have some, somewhat changed somewhat since I've gone there, but I find that that there's still a, a stark difference. Where you come from, there isn't just one relationship. There are lots of very strong and competing relationships, which makes life very complicated. What do you mean, like competing relationships, like your mother and many people? Your, your, your immediate family, you know, so right now, when I, when I, if I were thinking like an American, my entire responsibility is my wife, and then an extension of that, my children. Oh, okay. If I'm an American yes. thinking, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm mm-hmm. a Pakistani thinker, not the case. My wife is one of eight other very significant relationships. Okay. And she's only one of them. Mm-hmm. Right? Wow, and, that's interesting. and so so that that brings us on issues. I mean yeah. Yeah, a very complicated, wow. very complicated life, you know. But but the good thing about that sort of a structure is that you, you have the security net. Mm-hmm. That when your relationship starts to fall apart for mm-hmm. any reason or it's going through a bad phase. Right. While you have lots of other relationships to lean on, right. and even the friendships that you, growing up that you had, 
had more of an importance. A friend would be willing to give his life away for a friend versus just say, I'm going to give my life away for my wife. Right. So I love her so much, right? Yeah. There, the culture is a friend would give his life away and that's, the, that's how you're brought up. Yeah. Okay? So you have a lot of things to fall on, mm-hmm. right? Very different than here, right? Yeah. Same thing, apply, and I, this, uh, this idea I learned in business, because I learned, and again, I wasn't about any planning, I landed in this situation, is I'm involved in so many things. When things go bad, it pulls on me, right? I've been working on something, and it's not happening, it's not happening. Now I'm involved in maybe 10 things right now, right? Well, That's it, just ten. <laughs> <laughs> That's good for <laughs> But always, every single day, there's something positive happening at least one of them. Yeah. Right? That's I wake great. up, I've got the energy, I'm that what's in my foremost in my mind that I can make something happen on that one thing. The nine may not be doing too well, but the tenth one is. Mm-hmm. And lucky for me that something or the other is good is happening in one of them. And that keeps my energy level up and I keep going. Because if I had only one thing, my God, I'd be pulled down. I'm like sitting around and saying, I've tried everything and I'm just, this wall isn't moving. So, but the fact is, the walls don't move. And if I look at my own experiences of companies and all that, it sort of goes through phases, some phases are just like flat, nothing happens. Okay, and we're just waiting around and saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. But the facts are maybe it's just going to take more time than I'm thinking it's going to take. But I want something to make something happen. And it's not going to. And that creates a lot of stress for me because the outcome becomes so important to me. Now, if I'm doing 10 things, I just shift my time and my focus and my effort to what's working. And then, you know, I keep, so that's just... So there's, there's two points that you bring up which are really important to me. One is, is the extensive level of alienation that's in this culture and the overcompensating in terms of the primary focus on a primary relationship and also the primary focus on being successful in one's work as a way also to get some nourishment because of mm-hmm. living in, a, in, in, an ex, in an extensively alienated society where there isn't a lot of nourishment coming from other places and the effect that it has on our society. So that's an important point, and to talk about it in more depth I think would be good. We can talk about it next time. But the other point you talk about in terms of the ten things and the one, in as many people, if they had ten things going on and only one was working, they'd focus on the nine things that weren't working. You know, they'd focus on all the problems rather than focus on the one thing that was good. And so what Vic is pointing out is the need to, tr- to train one's attention to that which is nourishing. Mm-hmm. To actually deliberately bring one's attention out of that which is complicated and difficult and fraught and put it in that which is nourishing. So you're using business. You know, if you've got one business that's going well, you focus on that. But it can be applicable to anything. It's not just business. It can be, you know, you can have ten different kind of feelings that are happening in your system. One of them is positive. Focus on that. You can have a body that's in pain, but you have a place that's not. You can focus on that. And particularly when things are really tough, it's really important because the attention is usually is grabbed by what's painful is to take one's attention out of what's painful and put it in what is not painful, what is pleasant, mm-hmm. what's nourishing. Please. I have a question about that because yeah. 
you have the, the, these ten things, these ten balls in the air, or businesses, or whatever they may be. Well, there's always going to be problems that come up in any situation. You're always going to be facing something inevitably. And if you don't deal with it, it's going to only get worse, or I guess this entity will cease to exist. So I think, I understand what you're saying, but you, know, you want to nourish yourself from what's going well and, and take pride in that and hopefully gain energy from that and creativity from, from what's going well. But I would think, in order to also help you with the inevitable problems that come up in life, whatever they may be. Because, I mean, I, just, I was wanting to ask me, like, what do you do about the situations that aren't going well? I mean, right. When do you get back to them? Or, you know? I think, I think th this again I heard I, this time or last time was, you see, when when you make a plan and say, I now want this outcome to be in a certain month and a certain year, right? You then you're so so then all your life planning is that, that that number is gonna be met. Now when you accept the fact like in Buddhism that you're gonna submit yourself and you don't know what the outcome is. If you accept that fact that that applies to business also, which is my personal experience, it one hundred percent applies to business. So, yes, I'm going to put an effort in here to get that result because that is what your best practices are, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get the result. Correct. That means in your right. planning, you're not necessarily right. expecting that this thing is going to happen. Right. So now, you will you will have a better plan right. as opposed to saying, right. hey, I can't right. put right. five people. Say right. the people do work, right. I don't right. Well, that, I think it may not happen still. You can do whatever you want, and that may not happen still. So You're it's not evolving, you're just getting a better perspective. Exactly. And it's regenerating energy to focus in the right work. With so you're not shocked when it doesn't happen, and then you're not lost and fallen you know, to pieces because right. Right. this did not happen. It's, that, it's not advocating being irresponsible. Yeah. It's advocating attending to what needs to be attended to. Mm -hmm. But when we have a choice about where we're putting our attention, we make a choice to put the attention in that which is nourishing. Mm -hmm. So this whole thing, what you're talking about planning, you know, in the monastery we used to use the phrase, well, we put everything in the calendar in pencil. Well, now everyone's got computers, so that it's not even, we don't even have pencils anymore. But the idea is, is that you don't put it in ink, because it changes. Yes. Yeah. So when you're always using pencil, it begins to give you a sense, well, we use pencil because we erase it and it changes. It's the attitude that we're doing it with, rather than whether we engage in the activity or not. That's important. Yeah. But you know, you brought up a really good point, too, about uncertainty. There's yeah. a lot of uncertainty in business right now. And, you know, Vic, you touched on it a little bit. You know, when you're uncertain, are you able to hold that space, or do you have to be able to make that decision right away? You know, a lot of best practices in business right now are telling you, you know, you need to be a rapid decision maker. Okay? But what happens when we're faced with that uncertainty? How long do you stay with it? You know, and that part that can be part of a practice. It is, and learning how to um, sustain the capacity in uncertainty is a learning, mm -hmm. and it's a capacity that one needs to cultivate because mostly that's the most anxiety-producing state a person can be in. But it's also most potentially it's it's pregnant with possibility. And a lot of executives are in that place right now. The playbooks are gone. Exactly. We all know that. Yeah. So when was the last time in business? This is a direct application of business right now. You have no playbook. You don't know where to go. You don't know what decision to make. You're hearing best practices, make a decision, make a decision. And there's no room to hold that pregnant space. 
of uncertainty. Well, who's telling you to make the decision? Who's telling you? Yeah. Well, those are best practices in business. I'm right. not. I'm not advocating that. Right. I'm just saying because I know in those uncertain spaces, that's when your intuition bursts forth, and you know where to go. And so, you know, my life, you know, there's been a lot of uncertainty I've had to navigate. Mm-hmm. Tremendous uncertainty. Yeah, and and I keep operating from the fact that I move with what I know, and when I don't know, I stay until clarity emerges. And so, and people scream at me, you've got to do this and you've got to do that, and it's got to be changed and it's got to be like this and it's got to be like this and it's got to be like that. <laughs> you know, it's not like it's different. I've got, you know, and, the, you know, and if you don't do this, it's going to, you know, and all I know is, is that if I can relax until clarity emerges about the way forward, then, then what, I, what happens is, is something that I value. Yeah. And if I'm following these voices, whether they're internal voices or external voices, then there's some element of fear that's driving me. And if I move from fear, it's a completely different experience than if I don't move from fear. You know, something about the best practices about making a decision, um, I always, uh, I learned this a long time ago, sometimes not making a decision is making a decision. That's one of the fun types of decisions you can make. I'm just not going to just because obviously there's no there's no clarity, so I'm waiting. I'm waiting. There's nothing wrong with waiting. I think it's the powerlessness. But you see, that's this antsy. There's all of these things. There's powerlessness. There's anxiety. There's uncertainty. There's being out of control. And it's like, who likes to feel that? Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm talking about the long list of <laughs> yeah, but navigating being able to easy. being able to tolerate all of that stuff, it's like a birthing process. And what we're being born into is that is something that is more connected to heart and more connected to um, congruent with truth, more congruent with our values, and less fear driven, less habit driven less um, um, role-driven. It's more a kind of spontaneous receiving and responding to life from that place of an expanded awareness. See, and, and I, I hear that. That's, that's what I've often thought, and I think I've shared that with, with Trina, is that there's a, you know, a dying to self, and in business there's a dying to the old way, and the new way is resurrecting, but it's painful. Well, yes, but you see, that's where people can support each other because it is incredibly painful. And to have the capacity to endure the anxiety and the fear and the powerlessness and the hopelessness and the pain. I mean, there's a grieving, grieving the confidence that came with the old way. The vulnerability. Yeah, but that's one of the things that groups can do is they can recognize that that's actually part of the path. And in supporting each other, you, it's like what, what Vic was saying. You just don't have one primary person you're in relationship with. You're in a field which has got a team of people who understand the territory and can help out when you're up against rough, the rough and the raw. And, and it's hard. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been up in rough and raw in the last months. You know? I I mean, it's just, I I don't have enough hands and toes and feet to count them. But I don't, that doesn't freak me out, because I know that the rough and the raw is part of it, and that there's something about actually being with it that allows something else to emerge. I know that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are we at a good stopping place?
Excellent. Shall we do that in terms of one sentence, one sentence summary, or where you're at, or what you'd like to take away? Somebody would like to start. We can go circle. I thought it was wonderful to do this with my business and professional colleagues in a business organization. That's pleasant. So I guess thank Lindsay and Vic for making this happen. No, don't. You know what? I've always, I've always have always prayed for this since I was like. 16. I always do behind the curtain, but I don't pray necessarily. And when when I was that age, I did not want to get into business because of the emptiness. Mm-hmm. And I thought if there's a way that I can be in business and you know have do something that I truly want, but not have it be so empty, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And you know here it is. And you know I I just I think this is the way it needs to be, always. Because I think we become better business people. Being I agree. This way. I was asked by McGraw Hill to write a book recently that I could not possibly do by myself. I can I can fail alone, or I can succeed together. And Rosie was somebody I brought into my my writing team. The whole team basically consensually agreed to forego the opportunity for reasons that were very um, we had to peel away the ego stuff. But we got there. The very first time the team met around my dining room table, Rosie, at the end of the meeting, said, do you mind if we all pray? And it was wonderful. Yeah. So. Yeah. We can you made your prayers come true. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> so well, once, well, once, my, my one uh, sentence would yeah. be, Sister John, you're a gift. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. I think something's getting born here, and it's long overdue. Mm-hmm. So I want to thank you. I picked up many things today. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, and thank you guys for arranging mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I can summarize it in a sentence, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm going to try. Except except that. I already said seven. <laughs> <laughs> I said about three or four. Yeah. Well, just, this is a great experience. I didn't know what I was walking into, but certainly what, what you were sharing with, with everybody was uh, enlightening. It was uh, moving and, uh, and very helpful as was thoughts I heard from other people here, too. So, thank you all. My turn. I thought we were just kind of going at random. Um, I just think, if if I didn't know, you're fine. If if I just summarize it, we slow down to speed up. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. I think I'm going to practice every day and take my little baby steps. (laughs) Thinking about the stress. Yeah, so that's my goal. I I agree with you. I have a business that is very intense projects and building up to the projects, and then when the project is done, then it's nothing until I get another project, and then I build up the project, and it's very difficult for me to slow down when I'm on that that upward climb, and you're going to have 600 or 1,200 or 1,500 people in your face on for those two days, you got to get ready for it, and then when it's done, it's almost it is anticlimactic, and it's a big letdown when it's done. And I, I want to be able to have a more even keel. Mm-hmm. 
So can I just suggest that as a, just as a final closure, just sit for two minutes quiet and let all of the impressions, the feelings, the sensations just wash over us. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.